Bob France, authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway. We're going to forego the traditional Reagan open to the hour because, well, we are a little bit late coming back in after uh, going a little bit long with Jim Jordan. Yeah, the left, uh, and by the way, it is a Monday, the 22nd morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, or excuse me, the third month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Uh, You know, you should read, and I'm not going to bore you with it. It's really boring. It's really boring, and it's really ridiculous, and it's really vague. But the, I swear it must be 2,000 words long, a story that the Daily Beast did on Jim Jordan alleging uh, some sort of you know misappropriation of campaign funds, saying $3 million were unaccounted for. As he pointed out, they are the ones that noticed some of the numbers were off. They did a self-reporting. They accounted for every nickel, and the Daily Beast wrote 2,000 words trying to suggest that there may be some oversight coming from the FEC looking into Jordan. They are so threatened by strong, articulate, powerful, unafraid of being canceled conservatives. They're terrified. They're going to do everything they can to try to tear them down. And so uh, Jim Jordan obviously is going to continue to fight the fight, and uh Got good news, by the way. Coming up in about two weeks, we're going to have an extra bonus, uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is going to be in studio with me uh, in early April. I'll announce the date when we have it confirmed, but he's going to be in the studio with me for a full hour, taking not just my questions, as he does every Monday, but yours. And if you've had a you know, hankering for asking Jim Jordan something that's really important to you, uh, by all means, you'll have that opportunity to do it. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. And to those questions from you, by the way. Okay, um, I want to continue on the story of the border for a, a few moments more, especially when we have stories like this. According to ex-Tucson Border Patrol Chief Roy Villarreal, or Villarreal, trafficking of human beings across our southern border is a multi-billion, that was with the B, multi-billion dollar industry. The U.S.-Mexico border traffickers combined collectively earned as much as $14 million a day last month. Did you, are you hearing this? Process that. Criminal organizations trafficking women, children, families, and single adults over the border earned as much as $14 million a day in the month of February, according to Border Patrol resources, or, uh, sources. rather. Former Tucson Border Patrol Chief Roy Villarreal, who retired in December after 30 years serving the agency, said trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry. A lot of these vulnerable populations use their life savings. Some are essentially indentured servants, and they're working off this debt for a long period of time. In other cases, some of these migrants are asked to transport narcotics or some other form of crime to work off a different part of their debt. The human smuggling windfall comes as U.S. taxpayer costs for the border crisis continue to spike, topping $5 million a day. That's based on 2019 figures provided by Health and Human Services that put the daily influx shelter costs at about $800 per migrant. I'll pause there on the story to remind you that Joe Biden is calling all migrants. Come to the border now. Yes, I know that the official corporate line is, don't come, don't come. 
Uh, don't come now. We're preparing things. There will be a time to come, but don't come now. But again, in between those ridiculous superficial statements are the actual policies being outlined, which say if you send your, uh, as, a, uh, as a loving parent, and that's what he calls them, if you send your child unaccompanied or in the, in the uh, custody of a smuggler or a coyote across the border, we will let them stay, and then we will reunite them with you. Not where you are, but where they are here in the United States. That's the reality of the situation. So $5 million a day based on those figures, $800 a migrant. Last week, the Biden administration, I told you this already, uh, awarded an $86 million contract for hotel rooms to hold 1,200 migrant families as the crisis exceeds the ice-holding capacity. Additional costs will include overtime and the hotel costs for the hundreds of agents reassigned to Texas from other areas. For context, the 2019 Congress appropriated, uh, or in 2019 rather, Congress appropriated an extra $4.6 billion to handle a similar migrant surge. In 2014, Congress gave President Obama an extra $2.7 billion to deal with this crisis. Joe Biden is demanding $86 million. Are you kidding? Just for the hotels. That's just for the hotels. The Biden administration has been the, an abject failure when it comes to ensuring the safety of unaccompanied minors across the border, said Texas Governor Greg Abbott. His refusal to address the border crisis, because he still hasn't visited. I wonder which will come first, a press conference from Joe Biden or a visit to the border? His refusal to address the crisis is not only enabling criminal actors like human traffickers and smugglers, but it is exposing innocent, unaccompanied children to illness and potentially unsafe living conditions. I want you to hear from former acting ICE secretary, or ICE director rather, Tom Homan, who told Mark Levin the truth, that Joe Biden literally has given the green light to criminal human traffickers with his policies on that southern border. Listen. The policies of the Biden administration, let me be clear, they have given a green light to child traffickers, a green light to sex traffickers. Look, no one celebrated more the Biden uh, uh, winning the election than the criminal cartels in Mexico because they're back in business. The children, under the Trump administration, they say they still talk about, the secretary still talking about family separation of 2,500 that were separated because their parents were prosecuted. Just like every U.S. citizen family, the parent gets prosecuted and the rest of they get separated. What they don't talk about is right now there's over 15,000 children in custody of HHS or sitting in border patrol stations who parents chose chose to hire a criminal organization to smuggle a child to the United States. And no one talks about that inhumanity. The secretary said the other day on, on a press briefing that loving parents send their kids to the border. Are you, are you serious? Loving parents don't put their kids in the arms of criminal organizations. The children come across now, they're going to be put in licensed daycare, and, and the government's going to complete the criminal conspiracy. Because the parent only has to pay the criminal cartels to get their child to the border. The U.S. government will pay the rest of the trip to get them to reunite the very people that conspired with the criminal organizations to have them smuggled here. This, we, this, in, the, in the history of this nation, Mark, we have a president that is facilitating illegal immigration on the border. Because there is no consequence, there's no deterrence. When you open the gates, let them in and release them, knowing they're never going to leave. Facilitating the criminal cartels making millions of dollars. Facilitating the, the, the sexual assault, which is 31% of women that make this trip get sexually assaulted. Children are going to die. 
Mark my word. I've been there. I've seen it. And President Trump, the guy with my left shoulder right here, he got it. Why did he get it? Because he listened to the men and women of the Border Patrol. He listened, he listened to guys like me who spent their career doing this. And he secured our border. This president right now isn't talking to anybody. You got 60 to 80,000 law enforcement officers who feel abandoned by this administration. Their morale is in the toilet because they know they cannot do the job and keep up the oath they took to defend this nation and secure our border. Unbelievable what's going down there. So that's uh, Tom Holman, the former ICE acting uh, director, talking to Mark Levin yesterday. And, and what he said is should just be, you know, it should raise uh, the hair on the back of your neck. It should sound alarms. The Biden administration, the president of the United States, is facilitating human trafficking. You understand that? Alejandro Mayorkas, speaking on behalf of the president as the Secretary of Homeland Security, is literally suggesting, not suggesting, telling people all around the world, Get here with your kids, and your kid, or if your kids get here, they're going to be allowed to stay, and we'll bring you over to be with them. And that is, that is forcing, not forcing, that is leading to those parents, those quote unquote loving parents, putting their kids into the hands of, of traffickers. Now, whether they're just going to be, you know, coyotes who are making the delivery for a fee, and they actually deliver them, or if they kidnap them, and sell them into all kinds of different sort of indentured servitude or sex slavery, etc. They have no idea. But it's going on. And sometimes the fees, even if they don't necessarily, quote, sell them into some other sort of uh, uh, terrible condition, just that, hey, you owe me X amount of dollars for bringing your kid over here, and until I get that money... Uh, your kid is going to be, you know, your kid, kid is going to be in, and you are going to be in very precarious situations. Again, literal, actual labor slavery still goes on in the world today. It does. And certainly, as you probably know, so does sex slavery. And Joe Biden's administration is greenlighting all of it. With this policy that says, send your kids and we will keep them until you get here and you take care of them. And that is if, of course, they are able to make it. All right, I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110 on AM 1420, The Answer. Now we continue. This was uh, accidental, I know, but um, I'm going to make that song work here. One thing does lead to another. When you issue a moratorium on all deportations, and then you tell um, parents in poor countries that if they send their kids over to the United States, you'll keep them and then reunite them with their parents, it leads to what? 
It leads to a crush of people at the border. It leads to a, hey, he said he would not only keep the kids here, he would send for us next. One thing leads to another. And then to have the gall to have Mayorkas go on national TV and say, yeah, the border is secure and the border is closed. It's just, it's incomprehensible. And I still think that the best example of this, and I played clips from Stephen Miller, former Trump advisor. I've played clips of, of uh, Tom Cotton. I've played uh, clips of Tom Holman and others. But the best example to prove what we're saying is true, that the Biden administration is literally making this happen. You know, one thing leads to another type of policy. It comes from interviewing the migrants themselves, who announced very directly, we are here because Joe Biden told us to come here. This father, who asked that we not show his face, traveled to Mexico from Brazil with his wife and three young kids before crossing the border. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not. Definitely. We had the chance, you know, the, the same violence that is going on today was there last year. We used to watch the, the news and uh, I definitely won't do this. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically, basically. Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country. And the second thing I, I think was Joe Biden. I, you know, uh, it's like a letting up my hope, you know what I mean? We- so it's hard to hear the guy because he's hiding behind one of the fear masks, uh, as you know they they are forced to do. Everyone is forced to do. But he said uh, the violence in my country made us want to come to the United States, and Joe Biden made us want to come to the United States because he gives us hope that we can come here and stay. Now I should point out something that is obvious or should be obvious to everyone: violence in your country is not a reason not a valid reason or excuse to seek asylum in another country. Asylum is for those who are persecuted by the government for religious reasons or other protected class reasons, if you will. If you are under persecution personally from the government of your country, you may seek asylum in another country. That is how our asylum law works. He just said, I'm coming here because Joe Biden and because there's violence in my country. That is not persecution. And if and when he is required, this guy and his family, to appear before a, uh, a court and the, or a magistrate having his asylum hearing, he would be told, no, that's not a valid reason to be coming to the United States. You need to go back now. But there won't be a hearing. One thing leads to another. Why? Because just today, or actually yesterday, we learned that agents are being told you can just take their names and release them into the population, take them to the bus station, give them money to take a bus ride wherever the hell they want in the United States, and they don't ever have to come back for hearing at all. They don't have to prove they've been persecuted against. After all, isn't that the humanitarian thing to do? They're trying to couch their political agenda with humanitarian they're trying to trying to code it with humanitarian uh, type reasoning just to generate support it is nothing to do with humanitarian it has everything to do with getting people in uh, making it appear as though joe biden is their savior and thus they will continue to vote for joe biden and his party uh whenever they get the voting their voting rights it is a strict political agenda 
that has nothing to do with actually caring for these migrants. And then secondly, or, well, three things. Second of three. The second one is they're coming up through the nation of Mexico. Last time I checked, Mexico is not Brazil. That guy was from Brazil. If you are seeking asylum because of the violence in your country, stay the heck in Mexico. You made it to another country that's not yours. Stay there. You don't get to go through another country until you get to the gold standard country. Same thing with all of the uh, uh, migrants and asylum seekers in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. You don't get to skip through a country that is better than yours to get to ours. Asylum means the first safe place you can find. You understand that? The first safe place you can find. You don't get to wait until there's a better one. So That's two out of three. And the number three out of three is, why would a brown person want to come to this systemically racist cesspool of hate anyway? Remember? And it's Joe Biden that calls it such. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and every one of their acolytes in the administration and in the DNC spend their days finding new ways to say into microphones, appear on cameras, or write on online uh, opinions that the United States is a cesspool of, of racial hatred. Hatred of blacks and browns. So why on earth would somebody want to come to this place that Joe Biden is telling them is terrible for people who look like them? Quite a conundrum, isn't it? All right, 1030, we'll take a time out here for news. And on the other side of the news, we're going to pivot because we've got to talk about the Equality Act. We've got to talk about this unbelievable, uh, dangerous and radical legislation. That would essentially remove all equal rights from women, real women, declaring that real women don't exist, that womanhood is only a state of mind. Christina Holcomb of uh, Alliance Defending Freedom will join us to talk about it on AM 1420 The Answer. So if you want me off your back, well, come on and let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? All right, it's 1036. Now we continue on AM 1420. The answer, good Monday to you. Um, We have been following the story of the Connecticut girls, the uh, track athletes now for a few years, um, particularly since they came to our attention from the Alliance Defending Freedom which is an extraordinarily important legal ministry providing uh, legal services to uh, individuals who have been stripped of their rights, perhaps on the basis of religion or, in this case, based on their own sex. That's right. Women are being canceled as a, as a, as a being. Women are being canceled as just beings. There, is no, there are no longer women, according to the radical left. And this is playing out again with an example, uh, with the example of the uh, Connecticut high school runners. Young women who have been among the best in their chosen fields and events for their entire lives get to high school and then are forced to compete against biological males. And all opportunities they had to win championships, perhaps earn scholarships, fall by the wayside because they are forced to compete against males. And this is just a part of, again, the cancellation of women as a sex or a gender. Gender is no longer fixed between male and female. It is whatever you feel like today. And joining us now to discuss 
how this is all playing out with the Extraordinarily Radical Equality Act, which seeks to codify the same, is Christina Holcomb, Alliance Defending Freedom Legal Counsel for the Connecticut Girls. Uh, Christina, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. So we've been following this. Obviously, you and I have spoken before, and I've spoken to other members of uh, of the council at Alliance Defending Freedom. For those who don't know a ton about the background here, can you give us a, a little reminder of exactly what happened with the girls, with, uh, sure. uh, with, with Selena, Chelsea, and Alana? Sure. Well, starting in 2017, two biological males began to compete in girls' track and field in Connecticut. And not just compete, but they began to dominate girls' sports such that after just three years, those two biological males had won 15 women's state championship titles that used to be held by nine different girls. So that's having a really devastating impact on young female athletes across the state of Connecticut, including ADF clients, Selena, Chelsea, and Alana, all of whom have lost out on opportunities to advance to the next level of competition and compete in front of college coaches or lost out on state championship titles or the medals and placements that they rightly deserve. And you know, who knows to what extent this has also impacted even their scholarship and college recruiting opportunities. So in early 2020, Alliance Defending Freedom filed a federal lawsuit on behalf of these brave female athletes, pushing back and saying, no, Title IX was specifically enacted to protect equal athletic opportunities for young women. And those opportunities are destroyed when you allow biological males to come in and dominate the female category. So, Christina, um, the the boys come in and dominate, or the biological boys come in and dominate. What is the justification that the Connecticut High School Athletic Association gave for allowing this decision? Well, they're looking at this purely based upon a person's subjective identity. But you and I both know that but, that sports do not exist to affirm anyone's identity. Sports exist as a test of, you know, athleticism and biological strength. And the reason we have women's sports as a separate category in the first place is because we as a society recognize that there are inherent physiological differences between men and women, males and females, that make competition between the two unfair. In fact, some of the science, the most recent science data, indicates that males have upwards of 10 to a 40% Uh, athletic advantage over comparably fit and trained female athletes, depending on sport. So these types of gender identity policies simply open the door really to the beginning of the end of women's sports in our country if we don't stand up and protect the female sex category. Yeah, I mean, and and I I don't think I was being over the top or hyperbolic when I said that it's not just an end to female sports in the country, it's an end to females in the country. Uh, because if you tell people uh, that, you know, sex is a state of mind, it is just whatever you feel like you are, you cancel women. You you essentially say you don't exist as as individual beings or as, you know, one of the two binary sexes. I mean, there are males and there are females, and that is, they, they combine to procreate and create new males and females. And if you tell them you don't exist unless your mind tells you you do, then essentially... Um, you know, womanhood is canceled. Um, and what I want to know is where are the feminists? The feminists who used to actually champion women's causes. Feminists were responsible in large part for Title IX, which is a great, great, you know, piece of legislation that does provide equal playing fields and equal opportunities for females. Where are they now when it comes time to defend it? Well, their voices are being silenced on this issue as well. So I'm happy to say that Alliance Defending Freedom has the privilege of linking arms with 
you know, women all across the political spectrum on this issue, and including radical, self-identified radical leftist feminists who recognize that gender identity ideology erases women. And, you know, beyond that, it's really women and girls who bear the brunt of the harm when these types of policies are enacted. So take the so-called Equality Act, for example, that the Biden administration is currently pushing that we recently held Senate hearings on just this past week. Mm-hmm. The Equality Act would have a devastating impact on women's rights across the country, not just by allowing males to come in and dominate women's sports, but by simultaneously allowing them into women's safe shelters and domestic safe homes and um, their private spaces, their locker rooms and so forth. So, again, when when we erase distinctions between the sexes, these legitimate biological distinctions, it is women and girls who bear the brunt of the harm. I uh, did a story uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, excuse me, a month ago, actually, about a girl of sprinter. It wasn't in Connecticut, but she's a twin, and she was one of the best sprinters in the state. And she's a twin of a boy, so it's twin brother and sister. She said she is one of the best sprinters in the state. Her brother, her twin brother, is not competitive, does not compete in sports. But any time and every time they race, he wins. What does that tell you? Now, these are these are people who share that same DNA. I mean, they split, for goodness sakes, right. from the same zygote. And, and one of them has male characteristics. One of them has female. The female is one of the best in the state at what she does. And the male, who's not even competitive in his side, wins whenever they compete. If that doesn't illustrate the general unfairness of making women compete with men or girls compete with boys, I don't know what does. And they don't seem to care about fairness anymore, do they, Christina? <laughs> You're exactly right. It, look, it just it serves to highlight again those inherent physical differences between the sexes. Both science and common sense tell us that males are, on average, generally taller, bigger, faster, stronger. They have more explosive power. You know, digging deeper, they tend to have larger hearts and greater lung capacity, denser bones, taller, longer bones, stronger muscles. All of these things give them inherent physical advantages when it comes to competition over a comparably fit and trained female athlete. And that, again, is why we have women's sports as a separate category and why we must continue to protect women's sports as a separate category if we want to have a future where young women are able to showcase their talents, be on the podium, earn those championship titles and those scholarship opportunities. Christina Holcomb is my guest. She is Alliance Defending Freedom Legal Counsel for the three Connecticut sprinters we've been talking about who, in uh, starting in 2017, had been victimized, if you will, by males running as females. But let's expand this beyond the scope of just the sports, Christina, and talk about the Equality Act. As you said, that was the subject of a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing last week. Um, the reason we bring you back into the conversation today on this story, which is now going on four years old, is because of what happened. You wanted and uh, your co-counsel wanted the three girls to be able to testify before that committee hearing on the Equality Act, which is about much more than just the sports. They were denied the opportunity to. Can you tell us why? Yes. So even Republican lawmakers wanted these female athletes or one of their mothers to be able to come in and explain to the committee the practical harms of the Equality Act because our clients, Selena, Chelsea, and Alana, have lived under a similar gender identity policy in the state of Connecticut. And they know that when these policies pass, women and girls lose out. And so they don't want to see the Equality Act nationalize a policy that will be devastating to women and girls. But unfortunately, Democrats flatly refuse to allow them to testify. And frankly, I think it's disgraceful that Democrats allowed a biological male athlete who wants to compete in women's sports to come in and share uh, that individual's perspective on the issue 
and they refuse to hear from female athletes the actual individuals who will be impacted uh, by a law like the Equality Act if it's allowed to pass. There was a student, according to what I've read, who did testify um, for the Equality Act, and it was a 16-year-old named Stella Keating from Washington State, who apparently is a male uh, who believes he, she, he is a female and said his pronouns are she and her. Um, this person said, quote, right now I live in a state where I have equal protections under the law. She's from, he's from Washington State. And as a high school sophomore, I'm starting to look at colleges. All I can think about is this. Less than half of the states in our country provide equal protection for me under the law. What if I want to attend college in a state that doesn't protect me? I could be denied medical care or evicted for simply being transgender in many states. How is that even right? Christina, I, I mean, I want you to respond to that, but just very briefly, my response is, what about the girls? What about the actual females who will be stripped of their rights by this person demanding his rights under what he believes to be his gender? You're exactly right. And, you know, unfortunately, I think the, the remarks that were provided to the committee were patently false in so many different respects. That individual is already protected by laws such as Title IX on the basis of like as everyone else, their biological sex. Well, as you mentioned, what we don't want to see is these sex-based protections stripped away from everyone. Again, women and girls are the ones who bear the brunt of that harm. And we know that if biological males are allowed to come in and to take over women's sports, we are, we're going to be stripping away opportunities that have specifically been set aside and designated for young women. Those will no longer, no longer be there for them or protected. Christiana Holcomb is my guest. She is uh, with the Alliance Defending Freedom, legal counsel for three Connecticut girls that we've been talking about who are young women now, and believe it or not, yes, they're women. Um, Christiana, the, one of the arguments or one of the solutions, perhaps, that some people suggest is that why don't they have a separate category? Why don't they just have you know males competing against males, females against females, and if you believe you are something other, well, the transgender category. That will never pacify them, right? Because they will not accept anything other than our own uh, public attribution that they are what they say they are, that a male, we have to say, no, we realize you're actually a woman and you have to compete against other women. Well, there's certainly a lot of creative solutions out there, and I think, you know, lawmakers ought to be looking at those very carefully. But what we cannot compromise is the integrity of women's sports as a separate category. Again, we have it. We must protect it if we want to ensure that our the future generations of female athletes can be on the podium and showcase their talents and, frankly, not be sidelined in the sports that they love. How do you argue the hormone blocker type of discussion you know that a biological male but who has been taking hormone blockers to stop the production of testosterone etc which makes them on an evil even playing field with actual biological girls it doesn't level the playing field whatsoever there have been a number of recent scientific studies that indicate that even after a year to two years of testosterone suppression that a biological male still has greater strength um, it doesn't undo that 10 to 40% performance advantage that they have intrinsically over female athletes. And even beyond that, practically, testosterone suppression is not going to undo a male's larger heart and greater lung capacity and denser bones, and the list goes on and on and on. So testosterone suppression is not a solution. 
Um, we still would have a biological male with inherent physical advantages taking away an opportunity from a deserving female athlete. So if the Equality Act becomes law, it's already passed the House, we know, and now it's up to the Senate, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's a coin flip. It depends on whether one or two Democrats have the courage to uh, actually acknowledge that women exist as women. But if it does pass and becomes law, what does Alliance Defending Freedom do next? Well, we will certainly be watching this very closely, and we are prepared to act and file litigation as necessary in order to protect the rights of women and girls. Again, not just in the context of sports, but the Equality Act will impact so many areas of life, including women's homeless shelters and domestic safe spaces, their privacy, uh, creative service professionals, and the list just goes on and on and on. This is a one of the greatest threats to civil liberties and women's rights that we have seen in generations, and the Equality Act must be stopped. See, that's a very important thing as you wrap this up here, Christiana. That is a very, very important point you just made. This is the biggest threat to civil liberties. How offensive is it that they are painting it the other way around, saying this is a civil liberty, this is just as, you know, uh, acknowledging a male as a female and a female as a male is just the same thing as acknowledging equal protection under the law for people based on their skin color. Because that's what they're doing. They're saying this just takes you know, this just takes LGBTQ and gives it the same protections as race. And who could possibly deny that, right? Well, so it's a deeply offensive comparator, and it completely inverts civil liberties on their head. Look, we we absolutely believe that our laws should protect the constitutionally guaranteed freedoms of every single American, no matter who they are. But laws like the so-called Equality Act do exactly the reverse. They undermine both fairness and freedom. And that's why we must stand up, push back, and not allow this this horrific piece of legislation to pass. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about religious liberty, which would also be in serious jeopardy if the Equality Act, which is totally unequal, actually passes. But that'll be a conversation for another day. Christiana Holcomb, Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you for all of the work you do that everybody at ADF does on behalf of all of us who are marginalized and need uh, representation so that our voices can be heard and our rights protected. Thank you so much, Christiana. Thanks for having me. All right. Christiana Holcomb, Alliance Defending Freedom. I always tell you to go to ADF whenever you can, adflegal.org, I believe is what it is. I don't have it in front of me now, but I'm doing that from memory. Uh, but if you can, just even uh, look up Alliance Defending Freedom. They are doing such important work. It's a legal ministry. You understand that? It's a legal ministry, which means they base everything that they do in you know Christian uh, uh, Christian theology. And they are operating on that basis, trying to help people protect their own religious liberties when they are attacked by those with agendas. Okay, 1052, final segment coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1056, final segment, as always, is a shorty. Let's uh, take advantage of it and make the most of it. Let's go to Chardon. Dave wants to hit that border we've been discussing most of the morning. Hi, Dave, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Hey, I wanted to let you know that our two rhinos, uh, Dave Joyce and Anthony Gonzalez, voted for, uh, voted for one of those two amnesty bills that got passed Friday. They sure did. I saw that. Yep. Uh, and um, so I'm going to be calling them today to ask them how many illegals they're going to take into their home and support. And everyone else should, too. 
Absolutely right. That's you know that's we we talk about that all the time when it comes to Californians. Nancy Pelosi, put them up in your home. You like them so much. But right here in our own backyard, I mean, right here in Northeast Ohio, there are extraordinary uh, is an extraordinary number of illegal aliens here, and they are indeed here because, as you said, uh, spineless, weaselly, waffly uh, Republicans like Joyce and like Anthony Gonzalez and others allow them to be. So right, put them up in your house, uh, and in fact, don't even put them up. Here's what I suggest. Uh, they shouldn't have to make the offer. The illegal aliens ought to just cross the border onto their property and set up camp and dare them to throw them out. That's what I think should happen. Call them, everybody. Call them, indeed, and tell them. I agree with you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the phone call. Let's go to um, Lisa. Oh, it's Lisa Woods in Medina. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm well. And, how, you know, how are these uh, people coming in going to vote at the next uh, presidential election? Well, as soon as they get their right to vote, every of course the Democrats are going to remind them who is the re, who are the people responsible for you being here, who gave you this right to be here, and you're of course, of course you know they're going to vote to reward uh, those who did that. Well, I called to give you an early heads up on next Saturday's meeting at the Thirsty Cowboy because we have Cleta Mitchell coming, one of Trump's um, past attorneys, and she will be talking about. Um, the National Election Protection Initiative, which is one of our key things that we all should be thinking about and organizing to make sure that our elections are fair. Well, there's nothing more important than that. You're, you're right. There's nothing more important than that because I keep telling everybody we just have to hold our ground and, and you know tread water until 2022 and try to take some of this back. If the elections aren't fair in 2022, then we have no chance whatsoever of stopping this assault on our republic. So, uh, yeah, election integrity and election protection is absolutely of crucial importance. Lisa, thanks for the call. We'll look forward to that meeting coming up next Saturday. I'm sure you'll talk to us again before then. But for now... That's all the time we have. By the way, talk to your college students. Moms, dads, I got a story yesterday, a post from the Ohio College Republicans that said, we have just announced our official endorsement of Governor Mike DeWine for re-election. Talk to your college students. They're dumb. Wake them up. Get them out of there. DeWine's got to go. That's all the time we've got. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Silence.